0: I'm Donica Contour, and this is Naptime Devotionals, episode 115. We have come to worship him, studying Matthew chapter 2 and Luke chapter 2. Welcome to Naptime Devotionals, the Come Follow Me study for moms. I'm your host, Donica Contour, and this year we're studying the New Testament. I am so excited to talk about Jesus with you, so let's get started. Hello, welcome. Um, if you're on YouTube, you might be noticing that the background looks different and that's because we've moved my computer. We're now, if you follow me on Instagram, you can see my wall of wonder behind me with my 10 billion post-it notes. Post-it notes. My 10 billion post-it notes. Um, We moved our computer into what was formerly known as the crap room because this is where it started as a craft room. And then it moved to the crap room when we put the cat's litter box in here. Uh, we got rid of the cat last year. We gave her, gave the cat to my sister. And um, after some thorough cleaning, it is kind of become an office-ish space for me, where I can map out my entire book all over the wall, as if I was schizophrenic. Seriously, it's a lot of tape, a lot of note cards. The only thing I'm missing is some like newspaper cutouts and some string, but, and we'll have a full scene from a uh, beautiful mind over here, but that's okay. All right, let's jump in, um, to Matthew two and Luke two. Um, I actually mostly have scriptures from Luke two is where I'm mostly looking at. Um, but I kind of want to talk about two basic things. Um, first of all, our fear not count. I decided We talked about, there were three different accounts of fear not being used um, last week. And I wanted to talk about, um, let's keep a fear not count. So this week we're up to four. There were three last week. There was one from the reading this week between chapter um, Matthew 2 and Luke 2. There was one use of fear not. So our fear not count is up to four. Um, And we're going to just jump in. Um so the verse I want to talk about first is Luke 2 chapter cha- Luke chapter 2 verse 10. Good gravy you guys um we're called nap time devotionals but if you can hear the sounds coming from above me which is my little boy's room um boys plural my two little boys share a room um they are not napping but believe me I tried and then when they kicked me I was like I'm done So here we are. Luke chapter two, verse 10. And the angel said unto them, fear not for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall, um, shall be to all people. Great joy. Now I've heard before that gospel means something like good tidings in some language. It's like Hebrew or something. I don't know. I could be totally wrong about that. Uh, Or the word that we use for gospel came from the root word that was like glad tidings or I don't know, something to that effect. Um, and I thought that's super cool. Um, I don't know if it's true or not. I would probably be pretty easy to check out, but I love this idea. The angel is coming. Fear not. I have good news, right? And what's the good news? Jesus. Jesus is the good news. Christ is the good news. His atonement, the gospel, all of these things Bring us, it's good tidings, great joy, right? Um, One of the things, and I think I talked about this last week, one of the things Jake and I did last year that we really liked doing was picking a word to kind of focus on for the year. And the word we picked last year was um, generosity. We wanted to be generous with our time, generous with our compassion, generous with our love, generous, generous, with each other, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Um Well, the word that we picked for this year is joy. And so I wanted to look it up because I was curious. Joy, according to the Oxford English Dictionary, my best buddy, mean as a noun means a feeling of great pleasure and happiness. As a verb means to rejoice, which I also looked up and it just means to feel or show great joy or delight. So it's fun that you can't describe joy without rejoice and you can't describe rejoice without joy. Can you hear them playing up there? I don't know what they're doing. Okay. Now I looked it up and I tried to look it up in the Bible dictionary. It's actually not in the Bible dictionary, but I looked joy up in the guide to the scriptures and it says a condition of great happiness coming from righteous living. The purpose of mortal life is for all people to have joy. A full joy will only come through Jesus Christ. And then, of course, I immediately thought of the sec- second, Nephi, second Nephi scripture. Men are that you know, Adam fell that men might be men are that they might have joy. Um, and with joy comes trials and tribulation. And how cool is that? How, what a huge blessing it is to have our trials and tribulation. This is the part where you go, Donica, are you feeling okay? (laughs) Yes, I am feeling okay. Actually, I'm a little tired, but that's not the point. Without our trials and without our tribulations and without heartache and without pain and without grief and without suffering, we don't fully understand how incredible joy is. Um, without the opposite, we not, will not fully understand how completely glorious and wonderful and amazing joy and peace and love are. Right. Um, so how cool is that? I love this so much. And I think that sometimes we can fall into a belief that if we are, doing everything that we're supposed to. We're following the commandments. We're staying temple worthy. We're taking the sacrament. We're trying to live like Jesus. You know, we're mourning with those that mourn and comforting those that stand in need of comfort and doing all of the things that we have covenanted to to do, then life should be easier. And the reality is life is going to be life. And what makes it easier, what helps us find that peace, what helps us find joy when we're in the middle of tribulation, what helps us find peace when we're in the middle of our trials, is having Jesus and keeping our covenants and doing all the things that we said that we would do. And I love Christ's life as an example, which we get to study this year, and I'm super excited about that, because he was perfect, both in a complete sense and both in a... Without flaw sense. And when we consider that there were not any commandments that he broke, there was not any murmuring that happened from him, there was no complaining, there was no sinning, there was no rebellion from him. And then we take a look at his life and remember that he was hunted as a baby, right? His parents had to flee to Egypt because Herod was like, I'm going to kill all the babies because I'm psycho. Um, he was hunted as a baby. He was scorned as an adult. He talks about not being able to, you know, the son of man, um, of man has nowhere to rest his head, right? This idea that he couldn't even go home because people, um, were so awful to him. And then in the very end, they spit on him. They put the crown of thorns on him. They crucified him. He did not have an easy life by any stretch of the imagination, but he had peace and he had hope and he had love and he had faith in his heavenly father that everything he was going through was for a greater cause, right? For us. So that we would have a chance to come home. Um, so remember that we have joy and with the joy, with, in order to fully understand and appreciate the joy comes trials and tribulations. Now, the second thing I want to talk about is how in Luke two, we have some really, really good examples of different levels of understanding, um, specifically with Jesus and with Mary, right? So with Jesus, we have him in um, the synagogue. He's twelve years old, which I just learned this, according to jewish Jewish religion at the time. Um, you became a man. You went on what we now know as the Bar Mitzvah, right? Um, bar Mitzvah? Bar Mitzvah. One of them is for like boys. One of them is for girls. And I never remember which one's which. But um, you become a man, right? You go through this ceremony. You spend all this time learning. And at 13 years old, you're considered a man after you go through this becoming a man ceremony. So at 12 years old, he's not considered a man yet. He's not considered somebody who should have answers yet. Um, but he does of course, because he's Christ and he's learned line upon line and precept upon precept. And he's learned, I will, I I do think he learned a little bit faster than the rest of us because he kind of needed to, he needed to know these things and he was very open to it and he is divine. Um, And so here he is, 12 years old, and he's teaching the teachers. He is being asked questions and intently listened to by what would be considered learned men of the time. Um, And he's preaching about God and about himself and um, all scriptures and all this wonderful things, right? And of course, Mary and Joseph are losing their freaking minds because they have no idea where their 12-year-old kid is. And they're like, great, we just lost him. Um, and they find him. And of course he ha- we have that, you know, I'm about my father's work line. Um, and so on the one hand, we have Christ who has this amazing capacity to understand the gospel. And on the other hand, we have Mary. And I'm not saying that Mary doesn't understand the gospel, that she's completely clueless, but I just want to point out that we have Christ who is comfortable and ready to teach the gospel at 12 years old. How many of us as fully grown adults feel comfortable teaching the gospel to somebody else? Or do we feel kind of inadequate? Like, I don't know. I don't have a lot of There's a lot of things I don't know. Um, and I think Mary is kind of cl- more akin to us in the sense of like, well, there's a lot of stuff I do know, but there's a lot of stuff I don't know. And with Mary, I love what she, her, her phrase um, is. She keeps it and ponders it in her heart, right? We see this in um, after the wise men come um, in Luke 2 verse 19, but Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. And then we see this again after she has this encounter, but his mother kept all these sayings in her heart, right? Um, And Jesus increased in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. His mother kept these things, these sayings in her heart. And I love this idea that we don't have to have all the answers. We don't have to be ready to teach at a moment's notice. We do need to teach eventually because that's kind of the nature of being in the church. Eventually you're going to get called into primary and you're going to teach. But we don't have to have all the answers right away. We are completely allowed to keep things in our hearts. We are told, search, ponder, pray. Part of the pondering part is holding these things inside of us, holding them gently and allowing them room to blossom and to grow and to be built upon. Um and I think that it's such an amazing testament that you don't have to be a scriptural scholar to be a member of this church. You don't have to know all the answers. You don't have to have all the answers. You can have questions and just hold them in their, your heart. You can listen to the words of the prophet and the scriptures and um hold those things in your heart and ponder them and, and feel them. Um, and if that's where you're at, then this church has a place for you. Right. And I just love that. Um, the last thing I want to talk about, and this is just kind of something, I don't know that there's necessarily a lesson from this. This is just kind of a scripture that stuck out to me as a mom, um, that I had never noticed before. And this is in verse, uh, 34 and 35 Luke 2 still it says and Simeon which if you're not sure who Simeon is he's the old guy who was promised he would see Jesus before he died Um, and they bring Jesus in to be circumcised they bring him into the temple and Simeon is there and he sees him and he recognizes this baby as the Christ child as recognizes him as Jesus Christ and basically asks to hold him and is like just in awe so this is that's kind of what's happening And Simeon blessed them and said unto Mary his mother, Behold, this child is set for the fall and rising again of many in Israel, and for a sign which shall be spoken against. Yea, a sword shall pierce through thine own soul also, that the thoughts of many hearts may be revealed. And I'm going to get emotional here. In that second part, in the beginning of verse 35, Yea, a sword shall pierce through thine own soul also. I feel like, I don't don't feel like Mary went into this not knowing what what was going to happen. You know what I mean? I feel like Mary knew, she understood what having the Savior as your child meant. But this is the only scriptural account I specifically know of. There might be others, and if you know of them, send them my way. But this is the only scriptural account I have seen That's almost like, Mary, this is going to be really hard for you. Like, really hard for you. Like, I think about sending my little girls, who are only eight and six years old, to school. And if I heard about them getting bullied, which, okay, I did. Ginny was having some issues with some kid at school. It's sorted out. It's all fine. But I remember when I found out, I wanted to go and rip this six-year-old's throat out with my teeth. Right? Because, like... This is my little girl. This is my baby. Um, And I don't want her to get hurt. And I want her to be protected. And I don't want people to be mean to her. Which logically I understand she's a human being. She's going to have a human experience. And part of that human experience is sometimes people are jerks. But imagine the level of pain that Mary goes through watching her son go through what Christ did right? Um, And understanding the magnitude of that and understanding that he had to do it and he chose to do it. He willingly did this for all of us, but still watching people treat him the way that he did on the cross, the way that they um, watch people treat him the way that they did on, while he was on the cross, watching people treat him the way that they did when they were senti- sentencing him and spitting at him and whipping him and all of these horrible things. And I love Simeon's tender warning here when Christ is still just this tiny little baby in her arms. Mary, this is going to hurt, but it's going to be so good. And it's going to be so amazing. Um, and I just love that. I just love this, this moment. Yea, a sword shall pierce through thine own soul also. Because I think a lot of times we think about Christ as going through all the hard things, which he absolutely did. And I am not negating that whatsoever. I just want to shine a tiny little bit of light on Mary and how hard that must have been as, her, as his mom to watch this happen. Um, and I love that there's this little moment of Simeon kind of saying, this is going to be hard for you. And I recognize that. Anyway. I'm not sure what we learned from that. I just love that scripture, and it really spoke to me while I was um, studying this time around. So I will talk to you guys next week, um, and I hope you're enjoying the New Testament as much as I am.